Hello. Hello. How is everybody's quarantine doing? It hasn't been that bad. No? No, not yet. What about yours? I'm just tired all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I'm tired right now. Barely keep my eyes open. Why don't you just go back to bed? Because I can't sleep. Well, learn. I can't learn. Learn how to do it in the daytime. <laughs> no. It takes practice. No. I want to practice. Yeah. I don't want to practice something productive. Well, I don't know. Anyway, I hope you guys really enjoyed our like marathon, almost three-hour podcast the last time. That was fun. Yes, it was. That was really fun. Our 30 things to watch during the apocalypse and then just descending into random tangent conversation. <laughs> we should do more like that. We should. That was really fun. But yeah, so today we're back to normal, normal couple critique episode. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about one of my personal favorite movies. I feel like I say that every week. I feel like every movie we watch is one of my personal favorite movies. Yeah, there are a lot of, I think, your picks on the schedule. Yeah. But, I mean, you're the one who watches movies, so it's just helpful. Yeah, I feel it. Like, yeah, I feel like it's just because this podcast has also been, like, half me trying to force expose you to things <laughs> you haven't it's seen. This is just an excuse this pod- to get me to watch movies. This podcast is an elaborate ruse for me to get Nasreen to watch movies and for Nasreen to get me to read books. Mm-hmm. Which I'm really bad at. <laughs> I think you've read one and a half. One and a half? Did you ever finish Gone Girl? I think in the last 50 pages. Okay, so then like one and three quarters. What's the other book? Oh, um, oh, 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 Life in Outer life Space. Life in Outer Space. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I want to read more. I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> I, gave, I gave you eight white nights. Which is so hard to read. <laughs> Try reading that at night. Maybe that'll make you go to bed. Oh, true. Yeah, maybe I should read that. That book is so hard to read. I've been so unmotivated to go back to it because I'm scared. <laughs> well, maybe it'll get you bored enough that you can fall asleep. Yeah, true. Yeah, I just need I just need to read more. My goal for 2020 was to read more. So now you have the perfect time because you're stuck yeah. in your house. Yep. Ugh. Reading. The thing is, I've been so used to just reading news articles that it's like, what even is a book? It's too long. 
I know, and it's not like enough. I feel like my issue is there's too many details <laughs> that I find I unnecessary. But that's the whole point of books. That it's unnecessary amounts of detail? <laughs> no, it's that they have more details. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I don't need to hear the the sweat from his brow drop to like <laughs> over his pores and then across. You'd rather watch it happen? The, yeah, I would rather watch that happen. Because <laughs> I don't have to read twelve pages about somebody sweating. <laughs> he didn't write twelve pages about that. No, he wrote twelve pages about what was it? <laughs> what what did the what did you say? Him thinking or something? No, hold on. Let me. I'm gonna find. Hold on. I'm gonna. It was like twelve pages of him analyzing all the in between the lines of the conversation. No, it was literally like three words. That oh, she said. oh, oh, right. And he literally that went. Part. He went on for so long. Ha! I am Clara. Right, and that took like fifty thousand pages. I was like, how long are we gonna spend on I am Clara? Oh shoot. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. I dropped the microphone. <laughs> oh, no. Hello, everybody. Yeah, what'd you say? How do you get that much information from one sentence? Three word sentence. I think Andre Osman needs therapy. I think he's, he's like probably the most analytic person. Honestly. Because I was like, how? I was like, I couldn't. Bro, I, he was doing so much detail about the I am Clara. And look. I love. Anyway, anyway, he did so much detail about the I am Clara that I literally zoned out while I was reading <laughs> and then went back into the fact that I went, oh, shoot, I'm reading a book and I've been turning pages. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm still talking about I am Clara. <laughs> That's why every time you would ask me, like, how far are you in it? I would always be at the same place because I would keep zoning out and I would have to reread the pages. But I would never be able to actually reread them. I would start and then I would lose my train of thought and just ignore it and keep going. Bro, because it's... So uh, I never got anywhere. Yeah, that book is just difficult. <laughs> I'll try. I'll keep trying, but... It's a difficult book. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm that level yet. Like, I thought Life in Outer Space was hard. <laughs> you thought that was hard? I thought that was hard to read. Oh, no. I actually think Gone Girl is probably the easiest thing I've read. Is, but is that because you saw the movie first? No. that the, Seeing the movie made it harder. Oh, that's right, because you already knew what was going to happen. Yeah, but it felt, like, easier to get through than both of those books. She's just a really good writer. Yeah. I don't know. I, I need to try my hand at The Wolf of Wall Street. That's true. Because I actually, like, was able to read that book and, like, enjoy it when I was reading it back in high school. But anyway... We're not here to talk about any of that. <laughs> no, what are we talking about? We're here to talk about the girl with the dragon tattoo. Directed Crazy by David movie. Fincher. What did you say? Crazy movie. You sound so far away. 
I do. Oh, now you sound normal again. Huh. Yes. The girl with the dragon tattoo. A David Fincher movie. The third David Fincher movie we've covered here on this podcast. The other two being Fight Club and Gone Girl. I know that he did Gone Girl. I forgot that he did um, Fight Club. Yes. He is quite a character. Um... And now we're here. And Nisreen, why don't you give them a quick rundown about what Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is? Considering I always do the rundown. <laughs> That's just because you're really good at summing it up quickly. <laughs> um, it's about a reporter who, um, he's going through a sort of a lawsuit at the beginning because his reputation is kind of busted and he gets hired to solve a family murder pretty much the disappearance of a young girl mm-hmm. with the help of a um, well it's about him and his how he tries to solve this but it's also about this girl Elizabeth who um She ends up being his assistant, and she helps him on the case, and she's quite the character herself. Yes. And they team up and essentially uncover a family conspiracy. Yeah. And it's awesome. Also, warning, mad spoilers for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. (laughs) As usual. We are going to talk about every single thing. (laughs) So, the movie stars Daniel Craig and Rudy Mara. Mm-hmm. An actor and an actress I really, really love. Actually, for a while, Rudy Mara was my favorite actress. For about like a year's time period. After I saw her in the movie Carol, I like was like obsessed. You know, oh, she's... Huh? I remember you talking about that one. That movie's so good. You know who she's married to? Or with? Who? Joaquin Phoenix. Oh. Yes. That actually makes sense. You think so? Yeah. I always found that so odd. I can see that. Really? Can you imagine if Elizabeth and Joker were in the same movie? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I guess I guess it would make sense that they were like buddies I don't know I just think about like Walking Phoenix seems so intense so then like and she seems so like the opposite of intense <laughs> so I'm like I feel like it would be like just hard you know what I mean yeah I don't know I, I don't know although when Walking Phoenix gives his Oscar speeches he's like the nervous most nervous person in the room and I'm like, okay, maybe you're just intense on screen. That might be it. I mean, who knows what these people are actually like. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. She's with, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. So that was my fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> I think her, I think, I think her, her dad or her grandfather owns the New York Giants, something like that. 
Yeah, it's some. There's something. Something. Their family owns a sports team of some sort, and I'm pretty sure it's a New York team. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah. Um, how do you feel? Well, let's just start off. How do you feel about the performances in the movie? There's a lot of good actors in this movie. There are. Um, the performances, you said. Yes. It's very intense. It's very. Intense. A lot of it is very intense, but like in a good way. You know, all of Rooney Mara's piercings in the movie were real. She actually had that done. Yes. I mean, I looked really good on her. Yes, every single piercing in the movie was real. The intro is pretty interesting. Oh, with the immigrant song. Mm-hmm. That was, bro. When I first watched this movie, I watched it on my laptop because I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have all of these movies." It was like when I first was like, I was like, "Oh my gosh, look at all these movies," and I was like, watching everything. I was like, "Girl, the dragon tattoo." I remember when that came out. Let me watch this movie, and I remember watching it and being like, well, "When I got there, I feel like I had the same reaction I had." Because I was really into David Fincher. I had the same reaction I had when I first saw Mad Max Fury Road. Which is when I saw Mad Max Fury Road in theater. And it was like, oh, you'll have to watch that movie. But there's a... But in the title screen, I felt like the... I felt the mythicality. The mythical horror of what R-rated movies are when you're a child. Like, you know how, like, when you're a child, it's, like, R-rated movie, and you're, it's like, oh, my goodness, an R-rated movie. Like, what the heck are they showing? And stuff like that. Yeah. It feels like, it feels almost scary, like, how big of a deal it is. And you're like, what could they be showing them? And stuff like that. And, like, you expect something, like, really metal and hardcore, right? And Mad Max Fury, the only two things that have ever, like, given me that vibe are the intro to Mad Max Fury Road, um, before they, before they actually show the, uh, like, anything inside the world, right? Before you even see a shot in the movie. And then the intro to Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Have made me go, should I be watching this? (laughs) I really want to just know how they how they made that. Bro, literally, wait till I tell you some stuff about the special effects in this movie, and you're going to be like, what special effects? Probably. I'm going to tell you this, like, literally, like, 40% of what you're looking at in the movie, like, isn't even there. Maybe more. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, not That's even close. To, like, not even close to being in the environment. <laughs> That's kind of, that's weird. You definitely don't think that when you're looking at it. Literally every David Fincher movie, he like almost every shot is a VFX shot. Oh. Yeah, it's wild. Um, but anyway, but yeah, who out of be, of everybody, who is your favorite performance slash character in the movie? Probably Elizabeth. Ooh, you have the same pick. <laughs> <laughs> I anticipated that happening. 
she's just the coolest. Yeah, she's just really cool. Like Michael Blomkist, he's really good. Or Blomkvist, Blomp, whatever the heck his name is. Daniel Craig's character. Yeah. He's pretty good, and I like him, and I think he's very interesting. But Rooney Mara steals the show this entire movie. Like, every scene she's in, she, like, makes that scene. She does. And I love it. And I love her in it. I love her intensity. I like that exchange when I think Daniel Craig tells her, he's like, I didn't want to alarm you. And she was like, if you you touch me, I'll do more than alarm you. And she's got the taser. I was Uh like, yo. (laughs) I was like, that was pretty hardcore. I'm not going to lie. Watching them interact was always really interesting. Yeah, I like the friendship that they strike up. Mm-hmm. Which eventually ends in just sadness. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty upsetting way to end it. Yeah, I was kind of... I, I, feel, I feel bad every time I watch the ending of that movie. Like, I feel like deep sadness for her. Yeah. Because he was like the one person that she was like really truly connected with. By the end of the movie. She really doesn't have yeah. any friends. She's kind of lonely. No. That was really sad when she was playing chess and she's like, I found a friend, I'm happy. And then five minutes later, she's not happy anymore. I know. Oh, it's rough. Um, did you ever think like somebody was, something was off like with any one of the family members, especially Stellan Skarsgård's character when you met them? I figured he was gonna be the murderer as soon as I, as soon as like I was watching him. Cause let me tell you, I don't know what it is about Stellan Skarsgård, but I feel like I just have a tendency to trust him when I watch stuff, and I feel like it was a big, it was a big surprise to me when I found out it was him. Really, he was like such a creep the entire time. I don't know why. I I was just like, oh, he's European. <laughs> No, he's just, something was up. Like, I was like, something's creepy, and I was like, there's definitely something wrong here. And I was like, I was like, he's probably hiding something, but I never thought he was, like, the bad guy. When they were first having dinner, and he was like, this must be a a big, this has to have a big part in your book, I was like, okay, that's weird that he's pressing it so much. And then there was another part where he was very, very adamant about, like, helping Daniel Craig's character and I'm like no he's being too nice he's being too helpful mm-hmm. something something happened he probably he probably did all of it and then he did all of it and I was like oh yeah I guess you're better at reading people at 21 than I was at like 15 when I watched this movie <laughs> I'm finally learning to recognize the creepy people yes finally I can do it in mo- I can do it in movies it's just real life for some reason it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. It should be even more scary and obvious. I don't know. But yeah, no. I The first time I watched it, I remember just being... I remember even being confused and not even really knowing what happened when I watched it. Oh. And being like, what? Like, I was... Like, I felt like I was like... I was like, I definitely missed something. But... In my subsequent watches, I've obviously cleared that up uh, all the way. I would hope so. Yeah, no. I love this movie. This might be my favorite David Fincher movie. 
It's been a long time since I've seen The Social Network, which was my favorite David Fincher movie. And at one point was like my third favorite movie ever. And um, I'll have to like rewatch that and see. I mean, I still love that movie. But Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, for some reason, the more that the more as time has gone on, the more I've just fell in love with this movie. Uh-huh. Even Gone Girl. Gone Girl was a movie I didn't even really like even have as like one of my favorites or whatever when I bought it and I watched it. But like after the most recent time we watched it, when we did the podcast on it, I was like, dang, I really like this movie. <laughs> and it was really well done. Oh, 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 my back. I'm sorry. Did you do something to it? Ah, no. All I did was just get up. I was laying down on my stomach, and all I did was get up, and my back felt not the greatest. (laughs) Ah. Anyway. So. Oh, I didn't even ask you what your first impressions of the movie were. This is your first time watching it. So I guess I'll ask you that right now. I don't think I really had any first impressions. I was just going along for the ride. Yeah. By I the, didn't really, I didn't expect anything. So I just kind of went into it. Yeah. What did you, or I guess after you finished watching it, how did you like feel about it? Like what, like, I don't know. You said some stuff. I said, I said some stuff. <laughs> like you said it was intense, but like. I don't know. What was your first, like, hold impression about everything going on in the movie? I think at first I didn't like it so much. Oh, really? But I think that was just because, like, shock as to what I was watching. Oh, okay. And and then by the time I finished it, I I liked it a little better. (laughs) A little better? Yeah. So maybe you're not 100% in love with this movie. Probably not. No? Dang, my cat is meowing. I wonder if you guys can hear that. It sounds terrible. He sounds sick. He is sick. Is that Snowbell? Yes. He meows like that all the time now. And it's, like, scary. Horrifying. Um, and I already said how I felt when I first watched it. I was confused, but I was also like, wow, that was really good. And I was like, oh my gosh, Rooney Mara. Why is she so cool? And I was like, wow, Daniel Craig not being James Bond. That's pretty cool, too. It, it was interesting. This is, I think, the only set, the second thing I've seen him in. Do you think like the um, do you think the mystery still holds up of the movie with the solving that whole disappearance, how the how everything gets revealed and stuff like that. What do you mean? Does it still hold up? Like, I think we have a tendency of when we see things, like when they first come out, right, to be like, oh my gosh, that was sensational. And then like later you watch it and you're like, that didn't really have a, an effect as big as I hoped. <laughs> um... Well, I don't know. This is my first time seeing it. Oh, well, I mean, just like with 2020 eyes. <laughs> with 2020 eyes. Did you find that all like cool? Because I feel like every time I watch it, maybe I'm a little biased. I always find it interesting 
and like engrossing watching them do the investigation together. I mean, I thought it was it was interesting. I thought it held up pretty well. It was jacked up was when she was reading the whole like when they found out that all the things were themed. Yeah, that I didn't expect that twist. And she was reading all of the the cases and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I remember being like, <laughs> this is awful. She was just blowing through them like it was nothing. She's like, I've seen worse. <laughs> Probably. Uh, literally, it was crazy. I li- and I like the whole, this is one of the things I like about David Fincher movies. And it's one of the things that um, I feel like it's a th- reoccurring theme in his movies is investigations is like this investigatoriness to all the movies he makes. And like, I feel like just a lot of his movies center around investigations. I mean, fight club is an investigation of the self. Zodiac is literally, uh, telling the story of a real life investigation, right? Then we have this movie, which is a fictional, uh, investigation into these into this one disappearance that leads us to find out there's a whole string of disappearances that are all connected to something, right? Gone Girl, finding this one, investigating the disappearance of this one lady, right? I feel like this is something that David Fincher like loves. Like for some reason, he 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 really likes the whole idea of 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 like going down the rabbit hole, so to speak. I mean, he does it really well. Yeah, and it makes it. I feel like he's really good at putting you inside of the seat of the person going down the rabbit hole. I mean, he gets you invested. Yeah, and then he like, huh? But he does it in a way that it's so that it's not obvious what's going on. Yeah. So you're still interested enough to keep watching. And then he like utterly shocks you. And but yeah, but I thought it was interesting how the, one of the things I feel like I like about that movie is that Michael and Lizbeth are two people that are kind of the same. They just live in different worlds. Mm-hmm. Like Michael, like they're both kind of outcasts, right? Like we meet Michael in the process of becoming an outcast, right? He's just become an outcast because of what happened to him and his reputation is tarnished and people don't respect him anymore the way they used to, right? And this writing of this book is kind of like a way for him to like kind of get that back. And then Lizbeth, nobody cares about her. She's been like in and out of the foster care system. She's like living off the government. Like she's trouble for everyone she ever meets. And... And then I feel like it was like a perfect match for them to kind of meet each other. The only thing is, Lizbeth's cynicism erodes the more time she spends with Michael. And Michael is still set on a certain goal and certain people in his life that he wants to like get back to. And whatever, like, all that, um, what would you call that? The, like, walls that he took down on her, right? Because she's always, like, uh-huh. on guard with people, right? She's, like, she never trusts anybody, right? And then all I feel like by the end of the movie, he's almost forced her more into her cynicism and keeping her walls up more than ever before. And I feel like at the end of that movie, then there's going to be some sort of unrequited 
sort of love on his end. Is what I'm saying. He's going to give it or he's going to receive it. No, he unrequited love, meaning that he's in love, that he's like, like now he, now he realizing what he lost, isn't going to be able to get it. Oh, I see. He's he's missing out. Yes. Because he hurt Lizbeth. Yeah. Unknowingly, unintentionally, but he did. I mean, he didn't do it on purpose, but no. But that ending scene, but that shot with her driving away on the motorcycle, and it's like that push in on the alley, and she's just going. I'm just like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. And it feels just so sad. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't see it going that way. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I think that they were going to make a sequel, and then like all three of them dropped out. Like David Fincher dropped out, and then Rooney Mara dropped out, and Dan- Daniel Craig dropped out. Didn't they make another one though? Yeah, but that's like it's like its own thing. Different oh. actress and different everything. David Fincher's not even involved. Oh, okay. So it's not even like following the same story. No, it's like a whole new thing, which is probably why it was terrible, according to everybody. No. <laughs> oh. Which jacked up because I feel like when you watch this movie, you're seeing the beginning of what could have been like a really great adult movie franchise. And then nothing. And we'll never get that. And that's sad to think about. (laughs) Yeah. Because I actually really would love to have seen Rooney Mara reprise her role as Elizabeth Salander and watch um, Daniel Craig come back as Michael Blomkist and stuff like that. And just see David Fincher direct another movie. <laughs> because I, I'm, I crave David. Every time I hear about a David Fincher movie is happening, I'm always like, oh my gosh, yes. Which hasn't happened. It's 2020. He hasn't made a movie in like six years. What was the last one? Gone Girl. Oh. I'm pretty sure. I think his next movie is about some guy in Hollywood. I guess you just got to wait and see. Yeah, I think his next movie is about a writer. At one point, it was going to be a remake of Strangers on the Train, and it was going to be written by Gillian Flynn and Ben Affleck. I think I remember hearing about that. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know what's happening with that. But that should happen. <laughs> yeah, that, they. I would like to see them team up again. Yeah, I think it's because he spent a lot of his time, like the gap between these two, between his Gone Girl and his next movie, is because he spent so much time on House of Cards and on um, uh, Mind Hunter. Oh. Which is now canceled. <laughs> indefinitely or it's indefinitely on hold and everybody is released from their contracts because David Fincher is too busy to make another season of Mindhunter right so I don't know it's kind of crazy how did you feel about whole Lizbeth Salander's whole victimization and then revenge (laughs) that's the part of the movie that's like the most shocking to me Um, and hard to watch. <laughs> her revenge was hard to watch? No, everything. Oh. 
Okay. I and, didn't think the revenge was that hard to watch. No, I the, think the revenge was straight up cathartic. Right, like he 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 deserved it. I was like, yo, yes, destroy this man. <laughs> he deserved all of it. Watching it, watching what he did though was that was nauseating. Yeah, that was not fun. That was hard. I never, watch. I like, never enjoy that scene at all. <laughs> That's like the most uncomfortable <laughs> scene. Yeah, I don't know. But then she's like all blackmails him, and then she, she, then she essentially does the same thing to him but worse yeah and I like her whole like black eye paint and stuff like that like she was like <laughs> I feel like I was watching like like some female special forces person just walk in and, and destroy somebody and I like how nervous he is afterwards yeah he doesn't like, he and the, the elevator scene was great. Yeah, I'm like, I'm glad he finally learned his lesson. Because, dang. Because that was, like, too much. Because she tasers him, right? Yeah, she does as soon as she gets into the apartment. Yes, and then that's when he wakes up, and then I'm like, and then you're like, oh, shoot, this is different. <laughs> it's like that John Mulaney joke. He's like, so then I left. I put my pants on, and I left feeling different. <laughs> Really different. Yeah, he must have felt crazy different after that. Oh my gosh! So when she was like, when she was gonna tattoo him, and she was like, "I've never done this before, and there will be blood." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man." When she put like the protective mask on, I didn't think it was a, I didn't think it was a tattoo needle in her hand. Oh, what did you think it was? A drill? Mm-hmm. No, not a drill. I thought it was like a star or something. Oh my goodness. She like, said I'm going to make it easier for you. So I thought she was just going to get rid of it. No. Oh, geez. That would have been awful. <laughs> <laughs> Not wanted to watch that scene. I would have been like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> and then she had the, the tattoo thing and I was like, oh, okay. Yes. That was a really, that was really cool. And then the ending of the movie with the whole, okay, you know how there's the scene where Michael's in the bathtub and he's bleeding? I'm going to get into what I was telling you earlier. Okay, so literally, like, all the snow in this movie is basically fake. (laughs) All the what? All the snow in the movie is basically fake. (laughs) It's fake? Not Not like all of it. Like, there's snow... But, like, a lot of making that snow look like it's been there and it's been snowing and, like, the snow that's coming from the sky is all fake. Oh, wow. It's all CGI. All the blood in this movie is CGI. That's surprising. It's really surprising, right? Especially when you look at that scene where 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 they where she throws the water on Daniel Craig's face and the blood goes down his face with the water, mm-hmm. and you're like, and it looks like it goes down his face exactly the way it would, yeah, but it's all real. done in the computer. That's kind of amazing. And this was done, and then like when the guy hits the ground or whatever, right inside the weird dungeon thing. Mm-hmm. That was fake blood. 
And that's all because David Fincher wanted to have like quick setups because he likes to do a lot of takes. So they didn't want to have to like redress the sets again and again and again, right? Like clean up all this fake blood. So they just added it all later. That makes sense. It's an easier process. Yeah. And that's like a big thing with Fincher movies is there's just a lot of like CGI in places that you wouldn't even expect there to be CGI and you wouldn't even think to do CGI for it. But he's he's like the opposite of a Nolan and a Tarantino or like Nolan and Tarantino are like, I want as much in the frame as possible. That's real. Like. I want to do as minimal CGI work as possible. Like everything should be basically real and happening, right? A visual effect of some sort. Even the outer space scenes in Interstellar, when they're looking out the window, is like all like they have like a big screen out there with that stuff, <laughs> right? Right. But with David Fincher, he's like, I want like as little things in this frame as possible, and I'll just put it in later. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you know how to do it, might as well. Yeah, there's like whole like there was like a whole like special feature on the Blu-ray about it, and I remember just being like, "I'm literally everything is fake. <laughs> everything in this movie is not there." That's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. That's like the most Fincher thing of all time. He's like so surgically precise; he doesn't even trust real life to be as real as he wants it to be. <laughs> I'm gonna do this all myself. He's like, I will recreate my own. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry, guys. Dropping the microphone again. He's like, I will literally recreate reality to be more perfect than it actually is. Mm-hmm. When he captured Michael, that like gives me like the pit in my stomach feeling all the time. When Stellan Skarsgård character brings him down there. Oh, I know. And he's, and he's got him tied to the thing. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then he's all like, I've never really had a man down here before. And I'm like, ah! I didn't think he was going to make it out of there Bro, neither did I I literally, every time I watch that movie Knowing he's going to get out of there I always think, how the heck Is he going to get out of this thing Because this doesn't make any sense (laughs) I'm like, he's literally Tied up It's impossible, there's no way out At this point Once he put the bag on his head I was like, "Mm, mmm, chances just went down so far. Yeah, I was like, literally, he's dead. <laughs> Roll the credits. She's gonna find him, and then that's it. Yeah, exactly. And then that guy's gonna be waiting for her. And then he's gonna do to her what he did to that other chick. Ugh. But yeah, that whole thing is just... That was gross. Bro, when they kill this cat... And they bent, was, they bent the cat into a swastika. That was crazy. That was really sad. That was weird. Yeah, I know. It's like in the Grand Budapest Hotel when the guy throws throws Jeff Goldblum's cat out the window. He's like, "Did he just throw my cat out the window?" And then like they, they, they there's like a shot of it looking down at the at the at the at the at the ground, and you just see the cat. There's like blood coming out of his head, and it's all like spread out. Oh. But it's like cartoony looking. It doesn't look real. It like very purposefully looks like a cartoon. Okay. One day I'll see this and know what you're talking about. Yeah. I just watched the movie. That's the only reason why that example popped in my head. But mm. do you think you would ever like read the book for this movie? Or I any, love the or, book. Oh, for real? 
Yeah, I just I haven't read it yet. The Millennium series. I think I have. I don't know if I have all of them. I know I have the first one. I knew. Uh, you know, see, you know, there's like a Danish version of this that was made before this movie, and it's like, and it's like of like three of the books they did. So they did Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Girl Kicked the Hornet's Nest, and then Girl something, the girl played with fire. I think that's the three that they did before this. Uh-huh. And it's with a different actress. It's with Numi Rapace, or Numi Rapace, or Numi, whatever the heck her name is. Okay. And, I don't know, I just thought about that, because Ida, my, my psychology slash sociology teacher in high school, she was a big reader and movie fan, and she had watched all of it. And, like, we were both, like, kind of fangirling about the movie. (laughs) She always told me that that the Danish, the Swedish version was better. And I've never seen it. I've never been motivated to see it. Because somehow, I keep hitting this microphone. I'm so sorry, everybody. Because somehow I don't believe that it can be better than what David Fincher made. (laughs) Well. Maybe if you get bored during the quarantine, you can watch it. Yes, maybe. It will be if you inside. can find it. Yeah. It used to be on Netflix. But yeah, I don't know. Of the three David Fincher movies that we've watched, how would you rank? Where would you rank this movie? Um... I'd probably say Fight Club and then Gone Girl and then this one. Oh, so it's at the bottom. Maybe. So I have a question. What was your favorite scene in the movie? Because I personally feels like there's a lot of good scenes in this movie, so I'm always interested to see what everybody else feels like it's like their standout moment. There are probably a couple. Ooh, do tell. The revenge scene was definitely one of them. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> There's a couple. The revenge scene, and that's it. <laughs> no. No. I was gonna say more about that one, but I won't. Um. Oh. <laughs> the wrong audience. <laughs> Um, the revenge scene probably just well the, the first time that Michael shows up to her apartment oh yeah that was pretty how funny they, how, how they interact with each other and he's like ready to work and everything and he's like brought her food and she's like oh what <laughs> well I mean she's probably never had someone be that nice to her before I know it was probably like very off-putting for her uh-huh. Or when she asked to borrow money and she was like surprised that he just said okay and didn't expect anything in return. I was like, this poor girl. Right. Oh my gosh. When she was like, it's exactly the amount that you have in your bank account. And he was like, uh, <laughs> look at my bank account. <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry that I know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love their friendship so much. Friendship slash minor romantic stint. Yeah, I don't really know what 
So those are probably your standout scenes? Probably. I think definitely the the revenge scene is definitely the scene that sticks in my mind the most. (laughs) It's the scene I remember the most. Mm -hmm. But that shot of her driving away on the motorcycle in the alley and throwing away whatever it was that she was going to give to Michael. The jacket. The jacket. That, I think, is my favorite thing in the entire movie. Yeah. I think that was it, a really good shot. Yeah, I think it's that. Because I just feel like when I saw that movie the most recent time, or not even the most recent time, but like a couple times back, I remember just seeing that, and I and I like really paid attention the whole movie. And I remember just like feeling that, like on a very deep, like emotional level, like that just like, I don't know. I felt like I just, I felt like every, I feel like it finally like worked for me. Like what that scene was supposed to do to make you feel sad and bad for her and stuff like that. And put her in like the idea that she's going to go right back to loneliness and probably self-destructive behavior. Right. That like all, I feel like I really all felt that in that moment. I remember just being like, dang, (laughs) that's jacked up. This poor girl can't catch a break. Yeah. I mean, it's a very relatable scene. Yeah. I like the whole the flashback when they go back and they tell the story and stuff like that of what happened. Mm-hmm. With the with the young girl that disappeared and then I like the whole scene of them of her reciting to him all the cases that happened. And I think definitely that dungeon scene is like one of the best scenes. But the the chase that ensues right afterwards that is cool and with the car exploding and everything like that uh-huh. cause that's like the most action-y this movie gets and I feel like it was like a worth it wait for something that was like that big and it didn't feel like too big for the movie you know what I'm saying no it was just what was needed exactly and I love that which looks like the exact opposite with that new one the girl in the spider's web which looked like it was mostly action <laughs> It looked like it looked like I was watching Black Widow. A little bit, yeah. And and that was disappointing, because the whole point of this movie is the cool. The whole point of, I feel like that whole story and stories with that character and the whole series is the investigative vibe to it. I don't know if anyone would be able to play her the same. As Elizabeth, I mean, as as Rooney Mara. Mm-hmm. I don't think so either. I think, and I think that's, I when I think about all the Rooney Mara roles, I feel like that's her most iconic role. I feel like she owned that part so hard that that's like permanently ingrained in everybody's memory of Rooney Mara. Right. Is that she killed Lizbeth Slander to a point that was like, I wonder. I think she was nominated for that too. Let me look at it. Let me double check that real quick. So I'm not making up facts on the spot. Is there anything you didn't like? False information. False information. Um, nothing that sticks out strongly. No. No. Oh, I think the guy who wrote this movie is the guy who wrote The Irishman. Oh. Yeah, it's the guy who wrote The Irishman. He also wrote Schindler's List. 
Elizabeth was Harriet for the longest time. Bro, literally same, but also like the timeline wouldn't really. Well, did it match up? Not exactly. Probably not, but they looked very similar. Yeah, they do. I I remember also the first time I watched it being like, is that her? And I feel like the first time, because I also was like, I feel like I was just confused by the entire movie when I watched it the first time. I feel like I was coming away with the impression that she was. <laughs> uh, what, what, what What's her name again? Harriet? Harriet. I always forget her name. I literally even left the movie thinking like, oh, was that Harriet? And being like so confused afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I thought she like ran away and escaped and that's why she was the way she was. It would it would seem to maybe trick you into thinking that. <laughs> yeah. And then it just goes psych. <laughs> They're all dead. It's like this is just this random lady over here. Honestly. So yeah, she was nominated for best actress in a leading role that year. That makes sense. And then this movie did win one Oscar for best achievement in film editing. But to my surprise, no Best Writing nomination. Really? No. No Best Writing nomination, no Best Directing nomination for David Fincher. That is kind of surprising. He's another one who is, like, routinely snubbed by the Academy. Why? Because he's too cool for them. (laughs) He's too cool for them. He is. He literally... Okay, he only has two Oscar nominations. Two. Of all his movies, David Fincher only uh-huh. has two Oscar nominations for Best Directing for The Social Network and for Best Directing for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Which he I'm wrote sorry. That too? Huh? He wrote that too? He made it, he directed it, yeah. Huh. Which is a movie I really like. I own that movie. And I'm willing to say that that movie is not as good as like half of the work he's done. Mm-hmm. And it's low key a little bit too long, but but yeah, the academy just like hates David Finn, and I think it's because a lot of his mo- because his movies are very cold. He's very a emotional, which is not something the academy vibes with. The academy likes really feely movies that are super character driven, which is it's this it's kind of the same reason they hate Nolan. Because they hate, because it feels like a robot is directing. <laughs> I see. But his movies, but I feel like I don't. But I feel like Fincher even more. I feel like they're the person that that, he, that he's the person they should be celebrating. Like because his because he's so like Kubrickian, he's so like a product of the master directors that came before him, and like you're watching this like. I don't know. I feel like everything is just so interesting with his movies. It's like, how could you not want to nominate this dude? Like even Gone Girl, like Gone Girl should have been a best writing nominee, best, best writing nominee should have been a best directing nominee for sure. Because the way they pulled off the twist in that movie, if you've never read the book is, is crazy. And is the work of like somebody who knows the craft of directing so well. And if you hadn't read the book first, Essentially what they do is that all of Ben Affleck's scenes prior to the twist are paint are are very blue toned scenes and all the scenes with uh Rosamund Pike's character are all very warm. 
So you spend the whole movie subconsciously thinking that Ben Affleck did it. Yeah, they make you trust the wife. Exactly. And then the twist happens. And the whole movie's... She's a monster. Yeah, and the whole movie has been deliberately trying to force you to think that it was Ben Affleck. And then the twist happens, and then you're like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Uh Bro, that movie... I wish I had watched the movie before I had that spoiled for me. <laughs> Cause I, I was too into watching like video essays about movies. I've told I've got I've come like almost completely out of that now. Yeah. But there was a point where I was like just spoiling movies for myself because I was watching because I wanted to watch video essays about them and watch other people break them down. And then I was just like, I should do this myself <laughs> in my own brain. Yeah, and then read them afterwards. Yes, yes. So, yeah. But, yeah, I was just like, oh, man. It was, it was, it was just crazy. Just, but, but, yeah, I don't know. I feel like he is consistently snubbed. Like, bro, Fight Club? Fight Club was, like, critically panned when it came out. Like, it was, like, hated. Why? And it was like, how could a movie like this be in existence? This is trash. This is this. This is that. And then when that movie came out on DVD, normal people found it, right? Normal people. People people with brains, not critics, actually found it. And then it, like, became a cult classic. Yeah. And everyone talks about it now. And it came out in maybe the best singular year for movies of all time, which was 1999. (laughs) And why was that the best year? Because so many good movies came out that year. Like iconic, iconic movies came out that year. We had Fight Club. We had Eyes Wide Shut. We had um, Magnolia. We had, hold on, let me look this up, because you would be surprised to hear the list of movies that came out in 1999, like the amount of just iconic movies that have come out that year. Oh. Like, it's so much that, um, that 2019 was compared to 1999 because of how many, hey, so, oh my gosh, my dog, this always happens. 1999. <laughs> Movies. Google this. Google this for the fans. Okay, literally, we had The Matrix, Fight Club, Blair Witch Project. Literally, three super iconic movies. Then we had American Beauty. We had Being John Malkovich. We had The Sixth Sense, another super iconic movie. Magnolia. Three Kings, Star Wars, Phantom Menace, Eyes Wide Shut, The Insider, Toy Story 2, The Iron Giant, Boys Don't Cry. Um, The Green Mile, The Virgin Suicides, Austin Powers, um, Girl Interrupted, South the South Park movie. <laughs> we had the Sleepy Hollow movie, Any Given Sunday, that terrible steampunk movie with Will Smith, Wild Wild West. We had Hurricane or The Hurricane. We had Stuart Little, Satterhouse Blues, Thomas Crown Affair. So many. Never been kissed. Oh my gosh, you want to hear something crazy about the Fight Club Blu-ray? Sure. So Never Been Kissed came out the same year as Fight Club. When you put the Fight Club Blu-ray in, it's the DVD menu for Never Been Kissed. And you're like, what? And then it burns away. And then it reveals the Fight Club uh 
thingamabob. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 1999 is an iconic year for movies. That is a lot. Tarzan came out that year. Office Space, that's one that everybody talks about. Yeah, that's a movie that is like, yeah, people just rave about 1999. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So nothing you didn't like? Is there like a least favorite scene or performance in the movie? Oh, least favorite? Well, no, not really, because I would say the guy that was in charge of her money, but like he did a good job. He did a good job playing a jerk. <laughs> More. I mean, he was probably one of the least favorite characters, but he did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, I feel like the only stuff I still to this day am not I guess keen on is the Robin Wright stuff and it's only because I've seen that movie a bunch of times and I still cannot explain to myself what her purpose was in the movie who is that again? the blonde lady oh like I still don't even rem- I like I can't remember for the life of me what she did in that movie she didn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was a part of the newspaper. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. He made I I don't I don't know why he still went back to that. Right? Like how? They, his whole reputation was ruined. He should just become like a free agent. Exactly. They could have teamed up. But maybe and- that's the whole purpose of the story, right? is the idea that, like, selling out to the big guy is the wrong way to go. And you'll lose maybe that authenticity, and that's what Lizbeth is. And then the price of authenticity is that sometimes you're going to lose people to the big guy. Just one way of looking at it. Dun, dun, dun. Because that ending, it shows like they're two worlds, right? They're from two separate classes. And when you like get there and then like she drives away and she rides away and everything like that, it's like, oh, maybe the whole societal um, uh, I don't ugh, what am I trying to say? Like the societal divide between us is like so deep that we can't even penetrate it even though we've had like these very amazing moments together you'll still always belong there and like our worlds can never really like fully collide which sounds like the exactly the type of cynical stuff that David Fincher would make <laughs> yeah that makes a lot more sense but there's like an incompatibility between people of different classes because of where they both came from well, and he clearly wanted to stay where he was. So. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a. It's a very. It's something that can be break it, broken down, breaking down. You can breaking it down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> out of ten, what would you? Break down while saying it. Out of ten, what would you give this movie? I'm interested. I 
would probably give it an, an eight. An eight? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm going nine. Hard nine. Solid nine. Yeah. I love this movie. I love the mystery. I love the acting. I think it's maybe my favorite David Fincher movie. This is, though, me having not seen The Social Network in a long time, though. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot. I feel like there's a lot in this movie. I feel like I'm still, like, <laughs> it's still weird and scary. <laughs> I mean, it is. Like, they hid all that stuff, and then the Nazi stuff, and then, like, they were into a bunch of weird stuff. How is it that, like... What I don't get is that how does this... How does none of this stuff get taken care of? Right. something like that is happening inside of a family, how does nobody do anything about it? How are they just ignoring it? Well, ask the same question to people who let their... Who found out that their children were like abused by a close family member right yeah like they never let that out I mean I would love to ask them that same question like what are you doing <laughs> why how How can you keep Just, going with life after knowing that and you're not doing anything different I feel like it's like has to do with like being scared of like thinking what other people will think about you because of your association with that person, you know what I mean? Like, what yeah, does that do to the family name? Which I think is just a societal issue altogether, is the idea of putting, like, value into, the, into like, the, the name that you don't even get to choose that you're a part of or not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's just, like, an image thing that shouldn't be the priority. Yeah, it's, it's very weird. But, yeah, all that, it's just... Because they all knew about it, right? If I'm correct, if I'm remembering correctly. I think she... It sounded like they had some sort of an idea of what was going on. And she even said that she told her mother and still nothing happened. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, because he talks to the other lady. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Man. I definitely will say it's probably not the most... um, it's definitely not the best David Fincher movie. I'll say that because I do feel like there's better. I feel like The Social Network is still a better movie. I feel like I don't know. I feel like I just feel like I guess maybe I just feel like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is an undervalued movie in David Fincher's filmography. Uh-huh. I do feel like though his best movie is Zodiac, which we should definitely do for an episode. Should. That movie will like rock your socks off. It will what? It'll rock your socks off. <laughs> that movie, okay, think about this, right? It's an investigation movie about a case that was closed like decades before the movie came out, right? Uh-huh. And then David Fincher did so much investigating on his own about it, right? That made a whole movie. Essentially, with the, with all the copious amount of knowledge that he gained from investigating it himself, and the movie came out and it was so good that the police, that I think it was like the FBI, reopened their investigation into the murder into the into the case. Oh, I remember that. 
remember you saying this. Because of what was in the movie and what and what more there was to discover. He did so much good research. That they were literally like, oh, shoot, our job isn't done. <laughs> this dude just upstaged us on a national platform. Oh, my goodness. He literally just just he literally just upstaged all of our police work in one movie. That's actually kind of funny. Yeah. Apparently, the script for that movie was so long that everybody in the movie had to talk fast. Because the movie would have been like horrifically long if they didn't. So everybody had to talk at like a faster pace in order for the movie to like be at a good time. Is there some sort of like standard like a movie has to be only so long? No, it's just studios are scared of putting longer movies out there because less people will see them. And there's just less ability to show the movie a bunch of times throughout the day as well. Because when a movie is like two, let's say a movie is like two hours and 45 minutes long, right? And let's say you show that movie five times. With a two hour movie, you could show that movie like two or three more times that day. Just because of the amount of time that there is in a day and that that extra 45 minutes takes up. Right. Celeste, can you like chill out? I'm sorry, everybody. Celeste! (laughs) Celeste, stop barking at the people. Why is the door open? Celeste, oh, this is ridiculous. Oh my gosh. She's excited. Celeste, she's not even excited. She's just being annoying. Celeste! Like, oh, shoot. Ew, Celeste. Get over here. (laughs) Okay, anyway. So, no, they're just, it's just like, why would you put a longer movie in theaters that's going to make less money when you could put a shorter movie in theaters that has more ability to make more money? But if it's going to tell the story better, then doesn't that matter more? But it's like, but who will go, but it's like, who will go see that? People who care. I mean, people like you and me would care to go see the long movie, but most people don't. Most people don't want to go to the movies and spend like eight hours at the movie theater either. I'm not saying like eight hours, but I know. But like, let's say you're there to see a two-hour and forty-five minute movie. You're gonna be at the movie theater for like at least four hours. I guess. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't care. I don't care how long the movie is. I wanted. I would. I just want to see a good movie, right? Right. So, I don't know. It's just harder to sell the longer movies because people want to spend. People like don't want to keep their attention and stuff like that. People want to spend less time. Yeah. It's sad. They don't care about the art. No, apparently not. Because it's like with fast food, right? If you feed, if, if you feed somebody McDonald's, they don't have to make it. It's not as good. It tastes kind of delicious, but it's not as good, right? Mm-hmm. It's not as good as something you can make yourself, but it's convenient. And you had your choice. You probably just go get McDonald's all the time. Maybe. Even though it's bad for you, right? Not think If you're not a person who's concerned about the health risks or anything like that. Well, that is what people do. They go get McDonald's all the time. It's kind of the same thing with movies. You go, I'd rather watch this two-hour 
Judd Apatow comedy movie that's definitely terrible, but it's got funny off-color jokes that'll make me laugh because, oh my gosh, they said a swear word. So I'd rather go do that than watch like a very piercing look at our society or a deconstruction of the human condition that's like two hours and 45 minutes long because that's depressing. And life is already as depressing enough as it is, right? It's jacked up that people make that decision. They're appealing to the masses. Yeah, exactly. Which is messed up because I'd like more movies like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo to be out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But what's what what do people want to see? I don't know. I don't know because not that. Not that apparently. I'm not one of those people. That's all I want to (laughs) see. All I want to see is movies like The Joker and the Irish in theaters. It would be nice if there was more like that. Right? Oh, well. I guess uh, we've probably come up on our time. Yeah. Unless there's there anything else you want to bring up and talk about? I do not think so. Is this movie particularly shocking to you? Because it was shocking to me when I watched it. Yeah, I did not. I wasn't expecting it at all. No, you weren't expecting it to be as brutal and graphic as it was. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I was like, what is this? <laughs> what am I watching? It's like I was not aware. Literally every time I watch that movie, I ask myself, should I be watching this? I'm like, why? I, I did not sign up for this. I know. It's absolutely insane. But There was a, there was a special feature in one of them. And, and this one. About, I think it was titled men who hate women and i want to go back and watch that now oh yeah this is on yeah. movie on movies anywhere yeah 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 the special features for this movie are really good you should definitely watch them i thought they were fascinating i want to go see what they have to say about that i think the only david fincher movie that doesn't have like good lots of special features is gone girl i think it only has a director's commentary which i was disappointed in but mm-hmm. when I first got it, but now I appreciate director's commentaries like so much that I'm like, I probably should, would go back and watch the director's commentary of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Um, I don't know. I guess that's it for our discussion on that movie in the end of. Uh, wait. You know what we should do? What? On either Sunday or Saturday, whatever the last day of the month is, we should upload a list of each of our top ten favorite strong female characters in anything. We should. To just cap last off day this. Of the, huh? Last day of the month is Tuesday. Oh, it is? Yeah. Would you like that to be Tuesday's bonus episode? Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, that would be really cool. Just a cool way to cap this all off. Mm-hmm. Say goodbye to Women's Month, which kind of got overshadowed by Corona. Yeah, stupid coronavirus ruined this. I was actually really excited for this month. <laughs> and everything just became about the virus and Lit- staying inside. Literally. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening mm-hmm. to us discuss this movie. <laughs> and what is next week? Ted. Um, April is comedy. 
month. Yes, we're doing comedy month because April Fools. Exactly. Jokes on you. We're doing serious movies. <laughs> right. We could do. We should, we should just the whole docu- The whole month should be like documentaries on really depressing series. Ah, that'd be hilarious. Yep. But yeah, no. Joke movies. That'll be interesting. It will be interesting. I don't even know what's really on the list besides we're doing Ted and Ted 2. It was the first two movies. Yeah. That's going to be funny. I love those I mean, movies. We've got some good ones. I haven't yeah. seen a single one. Really? So I'm excited. Yeah, none of these. I don't I don't know. I've never seen any of these. What's on the list? Give them a little taste. Oh, um, both Ted's mm-hmm. for April Fool's. Um, the nice guys. Oh yes, you're gonna love that. Grand Budapest, the Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> Can't talk. Um, twenty one and twenty two Jump Street. Oh shoot! And then what's the oh, last one? Um, Booksmart. Oh yes, oh Booksmart. That's gonna be so good. I think. Um, it, in, huh? No, go ahead. I said, I think you're going to love that movie. I'm interested in seeing 21 Jump Street because I've heard so much about it and I don't, I, I really don't know the movie is what a- it's going to be like. The movie is absolutely hilarious. My high school did like a, we had, you know, Spirit Weeks, how school do, does that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we would have a Spirit Week in the fall and at the end of the week we'd have this thing called color day where every grade was supposed to wear a specific color and then we would go to the auditorium and we um there were people in each grade in charge of making little movies and they would show them in the auditorium and people would have to vote on which one was better and then whoever made the best video like one color day or something Hmm. and then they would use those points because you would earn points throughout the week and whoever, whatever grade had the most spirit would win or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I was only there for one year doing this. <laughs> but they did a 21 Jump Street movie and I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> so now maybe I'll finally understand <laughs> after watching it. Yes. It's, literally, it's, it's directed and written by the guys who directed and wrote the Lego movie. Okay. So imagine the Lego movie, but rated R. That's that's gonna be interesting. Yes, it's so crazy and hilarious. But yeah, that'll be fun. So thank you guys for listening again, mm-hmm. and we'll see you guys next year. Next <laughs> year. <laughs> so long. We'll see you guys next week. Or we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yes, we'll see you guys on Tuesday with our list of our favorite. Uh, huh? That's true. With our favorite female, strong female characters. Goodbye. Bye. Are we saying goodbye? Huh? What? 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 <laughs> I said bye. Are we saying goodbye now? Or are we saying goodbye later? Oh. Um. 
Waiter? <laughs> I'm confused. I don't know what you're asking me. I'm just messing around because we're still recording. So I just... Hang, hang on one second. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Mm-hmm.